Hi friends, I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. We're live. From Edmonton. I was going to say from two provinces today. (laughs) Katie has left the British Columbia nest. I flew the coop, people. I flew the coop. Flew the coop. No, I just took a little trip to visit the future in-laws. Which is so exciting. I Very know. exciting. <laughs> and picked up a present from my future in-laws at the same time. So, <laughs> Also, shout out. I don't know if she wants her name on here, but she's so nice. Brandon's sister. She yeah, is she, nice. like I was texting with her and she's just the nicest. Yeah, she's super sweet. Um... Yeah, we, she mailed us our gifts, but she forgot to put our, like, house unit number. So it got mailed back to her, and you just happened to be in town, so. The crazy thing is, I googled her address to ours just to see, like, if we were going that way, because we went skating yesterday, mm-hmm. and she's six minutes from us. Oh my gosh, so like, around the corner. Six minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's like, amazing. That's how long it takes me to... Like, that's less time than it takes me to drive to work. Yeah. Phenomenal. (laughs) Well, welcome to 2023, everyone. Sorry that this episode is late, but we are just enjoying a little bit of extended holidays. Um, So that is what it is. And it's here now. It's case updates. We're doing 2022 case updates. And I actually think that it's going to be mostly me talking today. So that's fun. Yeah, it's going to be mostly you because... Other than very minimal, like, family statements that they hadn't given up and that they, trouble, their searches were ongoing, none of my Vaughn unsolved cases have had any movement in them. The young Asian couple that were found and parts and suitcases, literally no movement. The two young men that were shot outside a nightclub, nothing. Wow. How is there no information on these relevant, like, 2021 cases? Yeah. It's so frustrating. Like, 2021, 2022, like, they were all active. And so sad for their families and their friends and just not having answers. So hopefully we get some answers for those unsolved cases this year. Honestly, a lot of my cases that were unsolved also don't have any updates. Like, a, I'm, a lot of my updates today aren't that I have solved cases that are unsolved cases that have been solved. It's just kind of bits and pieces um, information that has changed or stuff that's happened. So yeah, that's unfortunate. So hopefully next year we have some like case updates that are unsolved cases that are solved. And maybe we should dive back into some year one cases and see if there's any updates from those as well as we go through the year. But for now, maybe we'll do that at the halfway mark of 2023. What year is it? Uh, yeah. I know, I had to pause. 20... For now. You know, it's yeah. something. We're just going to give you the updates for any of the cases that happened in the 2022 era of our lives. Um, get excited for 2023. I feel like it's going to be a great year for all of us. We're all going to thrive. Woo-hoo! So here we go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I really don't have that much otherwise. Um, no... Life's good, though, otherwise, for you before we get yeah, into this? Yeah, status quo. Yeah, I think Less same. crying on the treadmill, too. Although, 
I had a bit of a, like, I went to West Ed today. So for anyone who doesn't know, West Edmonton so Mall. So fun. It's like our biggest mall in Canada. It's really fun. It's great. But while I was gone, I came home and found out that Simon's mother had told me that my dog was running around the house with my underwear the whole time I was gone. Yeah. So, yeah, it it took a turn. Gotta do what you gotta do. It's fine. Let's just hope they were clean. She was just really missing you. So, that's fine. Yeah, I have that effect on her. <laughs> All right, well, but. we're going to take it back and go to January 2022. So, we covered uh, on January 11th and 18th of 2022 we covered three murders committed mostly by one person and that was Dellen Millard Dellen Millard and his friend Mark Smitch were both found guilty of the first degree murders of 23 year old Laura Babcock in 2012 and 32 year old Tim Bosma in 2013 Dellen was also then found guilty of the first-degree murder of his own father, Wayne Millard, in 2018, whose death had originally been ruled a suicide in 2012. Um, If you haven't listened to these two episodes yet, they are still available on the main feed, and this story is a roller coaster, um, and the dude is terrible. So I do highly recommend giving those a listen. They were pretty, like in-depth to research and yeah there's like three whole cases in one so listen to those before you uh we go through the updates but what a piece of shit i actually have a very interesting update that relates to this case but also relates to canadian law as a whole and i was shocked and appalled at my own self that i actually hadn't heard of or delivered this this update yet (laughs) Um, so that's just a whole nother can of worms. For shame, Olivia. Literally for shame. No, you're gonna... For shame. You're gonna be... You're gonna be rattled. You know what? I'm actually taking notes and I don't know why, but I feel like updates, I'm like, I'm writing down the original dates and the update. I'm like, ooh, this is exciting. It's like a research. In 2023, we're taking notes. Um... So as we know, in 2011, the criminal code was amended by the Harper government to include the provision um, that allows judges to impose parole eligibility periods of 25 years or more, uh, sorry, 25 years, there is no more in Canada, to be served consecutively rather than concurrently for more than one murder. So this is section 745.51, and this allows for consecutive sentencing. For the murders of Laura Babcock... Tim Bosma and his father Wayne Millard. Dellen Millard was originally sentenced to three life sentences to be served consecutively, meaning he would serve 75 years in prison before parole eligibility. Mark Smitch was sentenced to two life sentences to be served consecutively uh, for the murders of both Laura Babcock and Tim Bosma for a total of 50 years before parole eligibility. This also affects, like, a ton of cases we have covered, and we we pretty frequently talk about this law. So, this year, in, well, sorry, last year, in May of 2022, the Supreme Court actually ruled during a case called R.V. Bissonnette that this law allowing consecutive sentencing for sentences of 25 years without parole violates section 12 of the charter of rights and freedoms that guarantees against cruel and unusual treatment or punishment the court ruled that this criminal code provision denies offenders a realistic possibility of being granted parole before they die 
I know. I was literally okay. shocked at this. So this means they have cut down this rule and that the 75 years Dellen Millard was ordered to serve with no possibility of parole and the 50 years for Mark Smith will be reduced to 25 years each. It's estimated that there are 18 murderers in total in Canada who will get a large reduction on their murder sentence as a result of this ruling. But, like, how did I only wow. find out about this now? Were they trying to keep it quiet, do you think? Because people would have an outrage that long-term sentences were going to be reduced, potentially. Uh, I would say probably. It could cause a lot of uproar in, like, victims' families and you stuff. You would have had to have been following the case that it was ruled on in order to find this out. The precedence was Yeah, which I wasn't, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, because it is a really big case, so a lot of people were probably following it. Um, I just just was shocked. Anyways, so one of Dellen and Mark's victims, 23-year-old Laura Babcock's mother, Linda Babcock, said the ruling was a huge blow, and to them means every life does not matter. She said, quote, our life has been destroyed by their crime, and yet the courts feel that it is cruel to have them in prison for life. Why do the victims have less rights than the criminals? She suggested the top court was out of touch with victims and their families, saying, quote, these judges don't understand the pain we go through every single day for our lifetime, and yet these criminals, uh, and yet they give criminals some leniency, not wanting them to suffer too much. We suffer horribly every single day. Uh, Fair. Yeah. So. I don't really care that they don't get a chance to have parole before them. No. And there is a huge, like, that's a huge debate amongst, uh, you know, the criminology community about, like, human rights of offenders and the fact that they have violated the rights of the people that that they have killed and who they have victimized. And it's a whole there's definitely arguments I just on both feel sides. Like of the coin. you could, but I agree. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that. How do I word this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounding like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. Um, but I think that there is a way that everyone could be happy in this still. But I do think that if you're there would be less repeat offenders possibly maybe is the best way to put it if you're getting the worst of the worst in for a long time and setting more of an example yeah absolutely and like i said there are arguments on both sides and we are going to kind of go a little bit more into the reason for this the decision Mm -hmm. um in a minute but that doesn't mean that i don't completely agree with how the victims and their families feel about this in that 100 percent they suffer every single day and nobody is like out to really defend their rights like victims rights is a whole nother can of worms in the justice system so yeah we'll we'll... i couldn't imagine being a victim's advocate no it would it would be very difficult um so yeah no i totally feel for the families in this case and i understand why to them it feels like every life doesn't matter if not every life is being sentenced separately Mm -hmm. it's like when someone's like Oh, it's going to cost the court too much to go to trial again, and he's already on a life sentence, like, in the yes. States, so we're just not going to try them. It's like, what does that say to that victim's family that you just don't care to try them because it's not worth a dollar value? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's like it's like um, it's, it reminds me too of when like celebrities, for example, file big, huge civil cases, and then they're like, "It's not for the money. It's just like I want it for a dollar kind of thing." It's like it's not. It's just the point I just that want someone justice to needs wrong. to be served for that offense. So I I totally get it. The decision mm-hmm. to overturn this criminal code section was made during, like I said, R.V. Bissonnette in May 2022, which was the criminal trial against the Quebec mosque mass shooter Alexander Bissonnette. Bissonnette entered the prayer hall at the Islamic Cultural Center of Quebec City on the evening of January 29, 2017 and opened fire for two minutes with a 9mm Glock pistol. He killed six worshippers and seriously injured five others in one of the worst mass shootings in Canadian history. Bissonnette fled the scene by car. Um, however, 20 minutes later, he called 911 and eventually pled guilty to six counts of first-degree murder and six counts of attempted murder. Mm-hmm. The Crown asked for all murder sentences to be served consecutively at trial, which would have constituted a parole ineligibility period of 150 years. Bissonnette filed a constitutional challenge under Section 12 of the Charter, and in the end, um, essentially, the original trial judge determined the severity of the crime required a sentence above 25 years, but considered that 50 years would be cruel and unusual punishment. So the judge in the original trial used discretion and sentenced Bissonnette to 40 years before parole eligibility. The Crown and Bissonnette's defense team both appealed the original sentencing decision. So the Crown appealed basically saying, we want the full meal deal. And the defense team appealed and said, this is too much because they want 25. Yeah, they're playing the Goldilocks game. And that's too much. That's too little. Yeah, and so Bissonnette, so the defendant's appeal was granted and the Crown's appeal was rejected. Wow. So they went down to the 25 or they stuck with the 40 and said that we're denying your claim? Neither. So they, what they said is that we agree with the defense team that there are grounds for appeal and we will move forward with that appeal. We don't agree with the crown and their their appeal request is thrown out. So there will be no hearing to decide that one is essentially. Which is dumb because the only reason that that's not, it's because this is where the precedence is set. So it's like there is no other cases to fall back Correct. on to support their appeal. Whereas every other case gets 25 years. So the defendant's appeal is guaranteed. It's like almost a slam dunk yep. appeal. I'm annoyed. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no, there's no, like, how, how are they going to go forward with saying that he should get yeah. more than 50 years when there's absolutely, yeah, I totally get it. Okay. Uh, in the end, essentially, the Supreme Court determined that a life sentence that deprives the offender from the onset of any realistic possibility of release can never be imposed under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. They held that while Parliament can Uh. deprioritize rehabilitation as the main sentencing objective for certain offenses, it was it could not eradicate it completely so parliament does not have the authority to eradicate the ability for somebody to rehabilitate and a punishment of the above kind presupposes that an offender is beyond 
redemption or rehabilitation and lacks the ability to rehabilitate themselves. This is so annoying. So just because Canada is known for rehabilitating and we prioritize that, we're saying that doubled up sentences, tripled up sentences concurrently, or sorry, consecutively are going to essentially potentially make you die in prison. And that's unconstitutional. So we're saying like, based on your rights, we can't do Mm -hmm. that. But we should do it based on what's right for the legal. That is so annoying. Yeah, and it 100% goes back to what Katie said at the beginning of that sentiment, which is that the prioritization in Canada for our correctional system is rehabilitation and reintegration into society. Those Again, are the Canada main Canada is that girlfriend that thinks they can fix Yeah, rehabilitation and reintegration into society is like the key phrase in our correctional system. So taking away somebody's, um, it basically, I'm going to go. Ability to be free Yeah, I'm going to go into it a little bit more in a minute. But yeah, like essentially taking away their opportunity for release provides no incentive to rehabilitate themselves. Yeah, they're saying that because they won't have an opportunity to go use the skills we're going to rehabilitate them with outside of prison, why would they accept the skills and the tools? It defeats the purpose. So it creates an unproductive, Mm -hmm. like, inmate to be participant in programs. Well, the court held... Then they should have all their sentences be like, okay, you have 75 years pending good behavior we'll assess over the years. Yeah, that's an option for sure. I I just... Leave it open-ended. The court essentially held that these effects, exactly what Katie just said, further support the conclusion that a sentence of life imprisonment without the possibility of parole is fundamentally incompatible with human dignity. So essentially what they're saying is that life in prison without the possibility of parole is not an option in Canada. So if the amount of years is going to make it so that this person's going to die in prison, it's off the table. Yeah, I think it's just so silly what they're saying. I, I like, I, for once, I completely understand what legal jargon you're spewing at me, and I'm annoyed by it. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting decision. It's like a... It's interesting. It's like one of those things that, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is never going to be settled. It's going to go around and around and around and around forever. Well, because... Because it comes down to our legal system, combined with human rights... Combined with the government that is in place, right? If we get... Yeah, with a, the pre-existing laws. Exactly. It all it all yeah. comes full circle. Um, so just because... And we are at a weird point where we have a lot of like... Like a lot of our elderly government is currently aging out. So it'll be interesting to see if we have some changes. Like, because we have a lot of people that don't take change into effect. Like the baby boomers are known for just like staying stagnant. They don't really contribute to like the economy because they live a very stagnant lifestyle all the boomers are screaming at you right now that's true though. no i totally agree as the, as the kind of younger generations or the different um generations move up into more <laughs> powerful positions you you will naturally see um a lot of change so that's normal but yeah it's this one is a hard one and i definitely don't Mm -hmm. really have like a strong opinion either way that I would be like willing to voice (laughs) 
I think we could both argue both 100%. sides. Yeah, this is like a topic that the they will part. probably use as like a debate in university classes. Oh, this will be like a law class or like a human rights and activism class. Yeah, because or... we did that yeah, in, this... in university. Like I, when I did my BA in crim, we would do like mock debates. BA in crim, listen to we you. We would do like mock debates <laughs> like this. I remember that mine was about, um... shoot. Oh, medically assisted suicide. No. Uh, because at the time that was not an option when I was in university, it was. I know not someone legal. who used that recently. Um, and I believe that my argument was for, but we just got assigned one or the other. It wasn't like my personal opinion. I just had to. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Which is interesting because if it is something that you're opposed to, that could be a really difficult position. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, I think you and I can both agree that. Um, what is it called? Medically assisted suicide. They have a new name for it now that it's actually passed. But um, oh, a maid order. Oh yeah, it's called because the medical assisted. Yeah. Um, but I yeah I know someone that was affected by that recently and took advantage of it now that it's legal and I think it's what people deserve. They let people die with their dignity and have some say in what the their end of life care looks like. Yeah, I. I try and be flexible in that I could argue for and against a lot of things. Um, I don't I don't want to say anything because I think that there are just some things that aren't debatable. But um, <laughs> I try to have an yeah. open mind I enough that, that I could be like own. willing to see both sides of an argument. Um, but in mm-hmm. this case, I, I totally understand what victims are saying in that they want the crime to matter and they want the sentence to reflect the crime. It's really all the victims are asking in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not too much. No. The sen- but like we said, leave it open-ended. Yeah, like, I, 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 did, I did like that... what you said about, like, you know, sentencing appropriately and then assessing, you know, behavior as you like go Like every or 10 years. The sentencing yeah. of another case that we covered in 2020, the Toronto van attacks, was actually yes. delayed while waiting for the Supreme Court to make a decision in this RV Bissonette case regarding the constitutionality of consecutive sentencing. Um, well, it's multiple deaths. Again. Yeah, because the decision was going to affect the sentence that Alec Manassian mm-hmm. um, would get imposed Manassian. on him. So with the court deciding against consecutive sentences... This means that Alec Manassian, who murdered 10 people in a rental van downtown Toronto, Ontario, will serve one 25-year sentence for all 10 murders. And again, he may not get out at that 25-year mark, Mm -hmm. but the idea that should he put in the work for the next 25 years, he can still get out as a, because he was what, like not even 30, was he? So he's going to get out with like, being like a 50 or 60 year old with some life to live. Whereas if he got those consecutive sentences, that would not be an option. It would never Never. be an option. So what is his goal to do better or be better? But again, I don't know if that guy's going to ever do that. I was going to say, there's also the argument that like, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I truly believe some people are just not 
able to rehabilitate. But like yeah. then there's the and some where do you draw it's that a lack line? Of willingness and like who who is like, the person that's making that decision, right? Of, of if somebody yeah. can be rehabilitated or not, like on the spot in a sentence. I don't know. It's a very it's sticky. <laughs> um, Toronto van attack survivor Kathy Riddell survived, uh, suffered life-altering injuries in Manassian's uh, attack and said of the decision, quote, I'll tell you what cruel and unusual punishment is. It's an innocent person being murdered. It's an innocent person being maimed or an innocent person having their life ripped apart. That is cruel and unusual punishment. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's where I'm going to close that topic. But I knew that that one was going to be kind of the big conversation. I did like that conversation. Um, yeah, and kind of an update in general that's going to affect a lot of the things that we cover moving forward this year. So really interesting update in Canadian law, which is my personal thing that makes me tick. I love the legal system. It makes me happy. Gets your wheels turning. It makes me happy. Um, I think we should say too, like if you ever hear of in your local area a trial or a case that set a precedence or has been something that's just a game changer to the legal system, like please send it to yeah. us because if it's something that is going to affect the Canadian legal system, we would love to. Yeah, know. and if you have different opinion than us, that's amazing, and let us know. We're that's what these conversations are for. Like I'm not claiming to know anything let alone everything um no. and we're just here to have a conversation so if you have a point that you would like to bring up you can comment on our instagram at podcast by proxy um, on the case post and we would love to have an open discussion about these kinds of things we're gonna move into our next case update um, which is actually a really exciting and happy case update mm. on february the 15th 2022 we discussed the case of 58 year old helen nasland who is currently serving a nine-year prison sentence for the manslaughter um, of her abusive husband miles nasland at the time of covering the case helen's sentence had been reduced from an outrageous 18-year sentence to nine years Helen's 18-year sentence was one of the longest terms an abusive woman had ever received for manslaughter in Canada and sparked major backlash amongst the advocate community for domestic violence. Her sentence was lowered to nine years on appeal by the Alberta Court of Appeal in June of 2021, which is kind of where the case was when we covered it. Yeah, when we were, like, at least giving the last update we had. Yeah. Since then, like since we covered the case in February, Helen applied for unescorted temporary absences from where she is currently housed at the Edmonton Institute for Women, and the parole hearing was held in December of 2022. Uh, anyone serving a sentence of more than three years is eligible to apply for unescorted temporary absences after serving a sixth of their sentences, and unescorted temporary absences are considered to be like the first step before day parole it's like you can go out yeah. to an appointment by yourself um they yeah i mean it seems silly but if anyone watched orange is the new black it's similar to that idea where inmates will gain additional privileges to go back out into the community and society and like run errands and be part of just seeing like how things are working yeah exactly and those are granted by the parole board of canada 
Um, and yeah, they basically allow federal inmates to leave prison alone for limited periods of time. Wow. Inmates? My, everything. Before, I wish everybody could have heard us before we hit record, or not us, specifically me, just clearing my throat and trying to figure out, like, how to talk. Oh, God. I can't talk. She was a hot mess. Uh, Okay. On Wednesday, December 21st, 2022, Helen was granted her first steps toward her eventual release from prison at a parole hearing in Edmonton, Alberta, where Katie is currently housed. Ah, that's where I am! At the hearing, she said, quote, It's going to take a long time to come back and heal from all this, but I'm ready. Everything can't be healed in here. I have to be out and working. She also told the parole board that she has been learning to value and take care of herself and that her priorities when she is released are to work and spend time with her family. Uh, She will be living with one of her sisters and two cats in a town just outside Camrose, which is like southeast of Edmonton. Yes. At the hearing in December, the parole board not only granted the unescorted temporary absence, but also granted her day parole when she becomes eligible for it in March 2023. So they, like, pre-granted Yay. her day parole, which is amazing. That's amazing, too, because, like, one thing that people always complain about is, like, right when they're going to do something, there's a delay, or there's a delay. So it's, like, I appreciate when our legal system has a minute to catch up. They're, like, pre-approving stuff and getting stuff set up and... Yeah. Just for people that do deserve some extra privileges back, I think. Yeah, it's so great. So at that time in March, uh, Helen will have served a third of her sentence, including time served before she was granted bail. She will be able to leave the prison for one escorted temporary absence in January, one in February, and then she will commence with her day parole in March. Yay! So exciting. We're so happy for Helen. Um, Ontario Senator Kim Pate joined Helen as one of her supporters and advocates. She said that more than 100 letters were filed on Helen's behalf from people who know her personally and others who had connected with her after learning about her case. The parole board heard that Helen had been an exemplary inmate who had no previous criminal history. She maintained support from her family and the community and is considered to be very low risk to reoffend. Kim Pate was pleasantly surprised by the board's decision to grant both the unescorted absences and day parole and said that she hopes the steps are the beginning of a positive new chapter for Helen, who has been on an uphill battle for much of her life. Yeah, she had, a, and I'm not saying yay because she should get away with what she did. She still did something terrible. You should never take someone's life. But she did have a really tough go of things. And some people, like I just said, I think personally deserve to slowly regain privileges. Yeah, and I'm really happy that the system worked in her favor in this case. Um, Yeah. Because at the beginning of her case, it really didn't seem like it was going to. So I'm really excited and happy to hear that Helen is going to kind of start to get some freedom for the first time in her entire life. Because... If you remember from the episode when we covered her case, Helen married into an abusive family or with an abusive husband very, very, very young, and she really never had any form of freedom or autonomy to do anything that she wanted. So um, while I totally agree with Katie that, of course, um, what she did does deserve a punishment, 
It never punishment. takes away what I don't, actions Right, do. yeah, yeah. We've never once said that, so I don't know why I feel the need to clarify myself, but I do. Um, I just sounded really excited for her, and I felt like I should just clarify that I'm not cheering because her husband's dead. I'm cheering because... You know, I do agree. She's had a really tough go of things. I think that the punishment finally fit the crime. And I think that everyone needs a break. Yeah, I think the punishment like yeah. finally fit the crime, and it's and it's time, yeah. and it's exciting that it you know it worked for her in this case. There's some resolution yep. for her that she feels like maybe she's kind of getting a chance to at least have a normal life. Yeah. Maybe that's all I think it is. Like I think she's had such a chaotic life that maybe this is her chance to find stability. Yeah. All right, so we'll move into the next update, which isn't really necessarily a case update, but Katie sent me this the other day. Um, So on February 22nd and March 1st of 2022, we covered the case of Rena Virk in Victoria, B.C. in 1997. So Hulu recently announced that it will be putting out an eight-episode TV series based on the murder of Rena Virk. The TV series on the case will be based on the book called Under the Bridge, and it will be titled the same, so it will also be called Under the Bridge. Um, That's the same book that I read and discussed in our episodes on the case. The author of Under the Bridge, Rebecca Godfrey, died in October 2022 at the age of 54 and will receive a producer's credit on the show. The film rights to the book belong to Reese Witherspoon's Type A Productions. I really hope, and I think, I'm, I, I really do hope this is the case, but I know that um, her, I believe her mom recently passed away, Rena's mom, mm-hmm. and I just hope that they weren't, like, the family didn't have any objections, and now it's like the opportunity is there. I hope that's not the case. Her family was always quite vocal about the case and worked. Um, they worked with media. They worked with and media like, a lot, and... yeah. I, I too hope that they were at, were consulted and were involved in some way. Yeah. Um, I am really sad to hear that the author of the book, Rebecca Godfrey, passed away so young. I I'm not sure. Um, I didn't look yeah, into 50s like. Is very I didn't look into what happened or anything, but um, that's really sad to hear because she was really really close to the case. Like, not only did she write the book, but I like she lived in the town when it happened and she was around the same age I believe or like worked really closely with a lot of the people involved in the case so um, really great to hear she's going to receive a producer's credit on the show since it's like being completely revamped like around her book and everything but the series began filming in BC on December 5th 2022 and film crews have been seen um, closing roads and reducing parking temporarily in New Westminster BC on the mainland. Production of the first series of the show will last into April 2023. Um, the Saanich police told CTV, CTV News that the police department was consulted on the show. And not much else has been revealed about the series, but I just thought that I would shout that out, I guess, or mention it, bring it up. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it. Oh, for sure, yeah. I don't always love, like, a TV series adaptation. I'm more of, like, a documentary reality gal, but I will watch this one for sure. Um, Oddly enough, I was just confirming that I wasn't inaccurate about Rena's mother, because I just would have felt horrible if I said that and Suman was still alive. Yeah. Um, 
But I also noticed that there was an article that released in September of last year about Kelly Ellard. Yeah. Um, and remember how she was, like, in and out of her day parole because she kept fucking up? Well, apparently she, her, as of September, her day parole was additionally extended because she's now been doing better right. and hitting all her requirements. And she just has more limitations. Yeah, so. I'm not going to lie. I deliberately didn't look up Kelly Ellard updates. Like, I really only, I, I, I don't care. Understandable. Um, We would be here for a long time if I sat down and uh, wrote out the amount of times that Kelly Ellard has been granted and then had her day parole taken away. I just don't care what she's doing. It's so stupid. I don't give a shit. She is human garbage, in my opinion. And that, I mean, I just, let's call it how it is. Um, She's terrible. Let's call a spade a spade here, people. So, uh, yeah. Well, she's the worst. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So we're going to move on. Fuck Kelly Ellard. Moving on. Yep. Um, on April 12, 2022, we discussed the case of missing Ryan Stuka. Um, again, not really a case update in any way. Unfortunately, Ryan is still very much missing. Katie actually sent me, because you went on a road trip to Edmonton's. So she'd been driving. Yeah. She sent me some of the big missing posters and banners along the way that she saw for Ryan, which I thought was really touching. Yeah. And um, yeah, they're very well taken care of as well. The community is, community seems to still be very on top of the awareness for the case. And there, there's a few of them down the highway. I noticed. Um, but yeah, it just like right out of Kamloops going up to Sun Peaks, there's a pretty heavy presence of Ryan. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is thanks to his mom, Heather, who mm-hmm. is a huge advocate um, for Ryan, as well as still dedicating her life to searching for finding him. Um, so Heather Stuka, Ryan's mom, recently released her book, Missing From Me, on November 25th, 2022, and it is currently for sale. I believe you can get it on Amazon, but we will make sure to leave the link in Ooh, I want to grab that. the episode description or the episode note, sorry. Her Also, can we just take a minute to like shout out the the moms here, like Rena's yeah. mom, Ryan's mom, like Michael Dunahy's mom, like moms out there. Like I couldn't imagine these cases without these moms. I was going to say it's a pretty common theme in almost every case that we cover yeah. that the victim's mom. They have just this powerhouse of yeah. a mom. Yeah, and that's to the moms. Mom power. Mom power. Mom pa- Get it, mom. We don't have it, so. No, we don't. We have dogs. We have dog mom power, which is like. <laughs> really watered down. Our dogs may bite someone else. <laughs> really watered down version of mom power. Uh, but no, no. Oh, it's not even comparable. No. Her website, uh, Heather's website, is www.heatherstuka.com, and you can read about the book, and I believe you can get, like, links of where to buy it on her website as well. Um, really honored, our webs- or our episode on the case is actually featured on her website as a case reference. Um, I couldn't believe it when she reached out and asked for the link to add that on her website so thank you thank Heather you. <laughs> um, but the 420 page book written by Heather recounts Ryan's disappearance in Sun Peaks British Columbia on February 17th 2018 
Heather takes readers through the story from beginning to present from the point of view of a parent who was also coordinating search and rescue and acting as her son's own missing persons advocate. She invites readers on her journey to bring her son home. Um, I have not read that yet, but I cannot wait to read it. I'm. Can I have the name of it again? I'm going to actually put it in my cart. Yes, Missing From Me by Heather Stuka. There it is. Yeah, Perfect. let's hope that 2023 is the year that we get some answers for Ryan's case and Heather and their whole family. Because um, that's just another case that boggles my mind. And Yeah, there's those few cases that I think kind of live in our heads rent free. That's one of them. And that is one of yeah. them. Also, and for the entire two-week period of Christmas, John Benet Ramsey. Yeah, always Christmas time. It's just like you can't. True help Crime it. Garage like re-uploaded their six-part series on John Benet Ramsey, like the week of Christmas, and I was like, "Cool guys, now I just lost my entire week." So, love that yeah, for like, me. I don't. I don't. I don't need this in my life right now but I'm, I'm gonna accept it no. so next up on my case updates another case that we're really hoping we get some answers to in the year of 2023 on april 26 2022 we covered the case of missing emma philipoff emma was originally from ontario and went missing from victoria bc in november of 2012 after a strange series of interactions in the downtown area Victoria Police Department, or VicPD, I have VicPD written down, but I was like, I think I'm going to say this, the whole thing. It's like when you're supposed to like write the whole world word before you do abbreviations and like typing. Vic, uh, I abbreviate like everything and I handwrite my notes, so I can't. Yeah. VicPD released an age-progressed drawing of Emma this year on November 25th, 2022 to mark the 10 year anniversary of her disappearance on November 28th. The age progressed photo was released to hopefully assist with the continued efforts of investigators and Emma's family to bring her home. Today, Emma would be 36 years old. To create the age progressed drawing, the artist spoke with Emma's mother and he was also supplied with a number of photos for reference. Vic PD stated in the update that Emma's disappearance continues to be actively investigated and that hundreds of tips have been received from across the country and the globe. None have proven to be confirmed sightings of Emma. If you have any information about Emma Filipoff or her whereabouts, you are encouraged to call Vic PD at 1-250-955-7654 extension 1. Information can also be provided anonymously through Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS or 1-800-222-8477. All right, so that, uh, again, not necessarily a case update, but an update of information since we last spoke about the case. Um, and honestly, the last case update that I have is going to be really similar. The only actual real updates that I had were the first one with the criminal code update. Um, and then, of course, Helen Nasland. But everything else is just kind of like information that's cropped up since we last spoke. So, 
understandable. Yeah. So the last case update for 2022, um, on June 14th, 2022, we covered the case of 24-year-old Indigenous woman Chelsea Porman, who went missing in September 2020 downtown Vancouver and was found over 20 months later on an abandoned property in the Shaughnessy neighborhood of Vancouver. Wasn't she found on, like, the outdoor concrete patio? Yes, that is correct. And as we know, after she was found, Vancouver police very quickly indicated that there was not enough evidence to consider Chelsea had died due to foul play or under suspicious circumstances, and they closed the case. The case was very quickly reopened for investigation after scrutiny from Chelsea's family and the public on how the case could be closed and ruled no foul play so quickly, which I could go on for eons about, but we don't have all day. Oh, yeah. I saw another case today that said there's no risk to the public, and every time I see that, I go, how do you know that? It just makes me want to scream. That's it. Because look at the last example we had. Yeah. Uh... There was specifically in this case question about how Chelsea could have actually gotten to this property that she was found on because she had physical disabilities that would not allow her to walk far on her own. So, like, who took her there? How did she get there? Why do we know nothing? What? Yeah, and, like, with her mobility issues, she literally would have had to have been picked up pretty much right where she was. Yeah. And taken yeah. there. So, again, not really a case update. I really just wanted to, like, bring this case to everyone's attention again because there's been absolutely no movement on it. No information has come out. Um, on the two-year anniversary of Chelsea's disappearance on September 7th, 2022, Chelsea's mother and sister released an emotional plea for any information that might help advance the investigation into her death. Her sister, Paige, said, quote, My heart feels like it's literally broken. Like, I'm missing a piece of my heart. I just feel so sad for her, end quote. Paige added that her biggest goal currently is to find out how Chelsea got to the Shaughnessy address, who she was with, or who brought her there, and if anyone had seen her that night. Anyone with information about the case of Chelsea Porman is urged to call the Major Crimes Unit at 1-604-717-2500, Anonymous tips can also be provided to Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. And that is it for 2022 case updates from me. I don't believe that any of Katie's cases last year really had any updates. So that's literally not much a wrap on the episode today. Um, But yeah, this... I am. Really glad that you had a precedence case, though. I think that's really exciting. Cool, yeah. And again, like I said earlier, really changes like the game and is going to affect a lot of the cases that we cover going forward. Um, I couldn't even remember if we had covered cases with consecutive sentencing other than those ones, so I didn't even like go back and go through. But like I said earlier, it's going to affect like 18 plus murders in the country, um, like sentence, murder sentences in this country, and that's a pretty big deal. I would like to possibly see about doing maybe even like a mini episode covering the cases that it changes. Yeah, that would be probably really interesting. Just like what the case is, what the trial and the outcome originally was. Yeah, so... And then what the change we was. We can definitely do that. I'm... I didn't go into that for this episode because what happens is what I like to call the research snowball. 
um, where it's like a case and a case, and then I'm like, I want to cover that case within a case, and it's caseception. And it turns into a fucking avalanche. And it just turns into a cr- true crime avalanche that I, it just overwhelms me. So I'm trying to keep everything like very separate. Um, but absolutely, I would love to cover that with you. Um, comment on our Instagram if you would like to hear that case. And to give us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening, because that helps us out very much. Very much so. Again, visibility is key, and those reviews help us so much. And, uh, yeah, anything you want to hear, DM us, send us an email, podcastbyproxy at gmail.com. Again, for social media, we are absolutely Um, the most active and responsive on Instagram. Most of our, like, Instagram posts go to Facebook, but... um, you just won't get as much interaction from us on Facebook. Katie's the Twitter queen. I'm not really sure what goes on over there, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, but yeah, Instagram is really where to find us. So podcast by proxy on all the platforms. And that's sure. it. Um, one other thing. We are well aware of the developments in the case with the U- or with the College 4. Ah, uh, Yes. And we do not feel like this man deserves any more time right now. It's a developing case, so it's also not. We Canadian, will eventually have an opinion on it. I never know if people want to hear about like because no. we also follow American true crime, like especially when the big stories happen. Like we're all over it. Like I literally watched YouTube uh, videos of the Idaho University murders for like six hours the other day while I was cleaning my house and doing other things. Like the same information just on fucking repeat. So. I never know if people want to hear about those, but yeah, there's not much to say at this point that hasn't been said isn't. or isn't already on the internet. Um, the affidavit for his arrest warrant was released today. I haven't read it. Um, I have no words. No, I actually have it open in a tab on my phone because I was starting to read through it before we recorded. Um yeah. yeah, he's a prime example of a monster. Well, and did you see the the connection between him and... And the one girl? No, him and the criminology doctor who is known to very closely correspond with BTK. No, that part I haven't gotten so to. So BTK's... daughter believe her name is Carrie Rawson BTK so if you don't know who BTK is he's an American serial killer Dennis Rader who coined his own nickname uh, BTK for bind torture kill kill. but his daughter um, Carrie Rawson is a like writer and she is also an advocate and speaks out um about true crime quite a bit like as a survivor herself and I guess there's like a doctor of criminology in some capacity I don't know her name but she is known to very closely correspond with BTK and apparently this Brian whatever dumb fuck's name is worked with this doctor like closely worked with her so that's concerning okay so his questions now have an added layer of context. Yes, because everyone was saying yeah. they saw okay. those like research questions for his PhD um, thing. Great. I mean, Great. 
The other thing is, like, it's shocking to me or, like, just stop tarnishing the great criminology name. Like, this guy, I yeah. believe Dennis Rader had a criminology degree as well. And there's, like, a few other well-known serial killers that, like, went to school for criminology. Oh, I didn't think Dennis Rader did, but I know there are a few that I did. I only know that because I'm pretty sure that Carrie Rawson, in this interview that I watched, said my father went to school for criminology. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I could just not know that. That's Again, there's a bunch, and it's just Christ. stop tarnishing it. It's a great field of study. Stop using it, it for is. your own darkness. It's a sacred it's a institute, sacred people. Anyway, I'm just I'm I'm appalled and offended on so many levels, and I don't want to talk about it. I appreciate where you're coming from with that. Also, I had a few people ask me if I actually did not watch the Casey Anthony documentary or if I was bluffing, and I did no. not watch it. I, I didn't either. I have no. After seeing like the online reviews too, I'm like absolutely no interest oh yeah I'm good i didn't learn anything new no i didn't give her any money i had a friend message me something about it like specifically just their opinion and i was like yeah i'm good <laughs> well because remember when i think we like covered a case and we were talking about it and i just said that like i wouldn't watch it but then we were like well maybe we will no i didn't specifically yeah there's some things that we we are harsh about and then we say like no we'll never do it and we do because well part of the time it's because someone says will you watch it and tell us what you you know what if i had seen online after the fact that there was like anything of substance that was believable that came out of that documentary or something i might have watched it but all of the reviews are in and they're not good and it's yeah it's all the same stuff yeah, we haven't made any progress here, people. No. So anyway, that's my not at all off the record chat. Well, for the that day. was all I wanted to say about that, just because I we will touch on it one day. It's just at this point in time, that guy doesn't need more airtime, more discussions, and we will possibly cover it when there's more information. And I saw this morning that there was another case out of. Still in the States as well, but in Idaho, where I believe it was eight people were murdered, three adults, and five children in a home. Um, so our hearts go out to them as well. And If you are on, like people, unfamiliar or you're looking to kind of keep up with information about the Idaho University murders, I would recommend listening to our friend Daphne and Heath over at Going West. They did a really good episode. They're very good for real time. They are awesome for real time cases and they did a great like thorough episode on that case and guaranteed they will do another one soon when there's like enough information for a whole episode so go check them out for sure. Um, And do you guys like real time coverage? Is that something that you'd want because it's never something that we've looked into but we follow them so it I mean, we're happy to have discussions about stuff or cover stuff more in real time if that's of value, even if they're just something we do on Instagram Live or something, but we'd love to hear your feedback. We will be back, though, to our regularly scheduled programming next week on a regularly scheduled schedule. So, so excited, and I'll see you then. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. (laughs) Okay. Fuck me.